Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo4j and uh, it has been a long time in the making, entire summer without any kind of podcasting, but I want to do it again, I want to start this stuff again, uh, it's been so much fun in the past and should really get back to it. To do that I've kind of uh, come up with a new idea to um, produce some, some interesting episodes for you guys. Uh, the idea is basically that we'll be looking at all of the stuff, the interesting stuff, the interesting use cases, the innovative use cases that are coming up in our community uh, on a daily basis really and talk about that. Just you know, highlight some of those, um, discuss what they might mean for us, uh, how people could explore it and, and all of those types of things. And um, we're going to do that using you know, some kind of a baseline content which is the This Week in Neo4j newsletter. I'm hoping you're all subscribed to that. It's a fantastic, use, uh, useful um, newsletter produced by the Neo4j Developer Relations team, and it's a fantastic source of beautiful content. But a podcast um, without guests would be extremely boring. I know you don't want to listen to me all the time. So I've actually invited a dear friend and colleague um, from our Stockholm office to, uh, to join me in this uh, journey, and that's uh, Stefan Wendin. Hi, Stefan. Hi Rick, uh, very nice to, nice to be here, uh, uh, really looking forward to this and to all the listeners that did not subscribe to the newsletter, don't worry, I didn't either but I found it actually extremely helpful so this can also be a starting point for a very beautiful journey together so let's see yeah, yeah. let's see yeah and so that's what we're planning to do and uh, so literally we're, we're hoping to do this on a monthly basis uh, it's probably going to be more like a, on a whenever I feel like it basis but that's uh, that's okay too this is a community thing this is not an E4J thing and um, you know we'll, we'll dive right into it Stefan let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, posts that we yeah. saw in, uh, in the past month or so um, I've been looking through the uh, this week in Neo4j newsletter and I found some really interesting things but what did you think? What, what, what did you find? Oh yeah, there was a couple of ones that really stood out. Uh, I think uh, uh, we got the chatbot of course, uh, the political ones uh, because also that's like a foundation of building a new society in a sense. Uh, but then again we got the, also the AI and ML kind of thing, adding context to that, I think also super interesting. And then I actually missed the last one, which was uh, about the map. Uh, funny story, I see uh, Rick playing around with it in the office and I go, holy crap, what is this cool feature? I've never seen this one before. And then Rick very relaxed said, yeah, it was in the list I sent you. So, <laughs> so Stephen, let's talk about those a little bit, right? So the, let's start with the last one, you know, visualizing nodes on a map. There was a... Uh, uh, a post uh, a few days ago, I think, you know, with uh, someone, I think, uh, Stella, what's her name again? I'll put it on the blog post. She created this uh, uh, this uh, Neo4j desktop application that basically takes graph data from a Neo4j database and um, visualizes it on a map. Uh, what, what do you think is most interesting about that? I mean, I think it comes down to the foundation is what I love with graphs, and there are so many things, but I always keep coming back to this kind of Alfred uh, Korshovsky, was that the name? Uh, this kind of, the map is not the territory kind of thing. So before joining NIA, I always have a hard time kind of seeing my data represented as a table because it didn't look anything like the real world. It couldn't handle complexity and anything. 
and then just adding this kind of real kind of map layer on top of it and the possibilities to as we found out by just trying which is again the best way of trying uh, adding different kind of layers uh, immediately you start seeing like oh but we have the shops in these kind of areas we have the clusters of possible prospects or customers and then by just overlaying them in like a millisecond you have a visual kind of explorative thing that uh, everyone can take part of and I think this is one of the beauties which I like with a lot of the new stuff uh, is that it enables people not necessarily from the data domain or data science or developer community to take part in discussions around data and I think if we can solve that and bridge that uh, and anything that helps in doing that I think it's uh, adding business value and fantastic yeah well i mean i'll post it on the on the on the on the blog post but i do think that you know with some of the spatial data types that we have in in the fbj and then you know these beautiful you know very simple um desktop apps or, or visualization integrations that we have these days uh, it makes it really easy let's talk about another one um like for example the political posts as you mentioned there were two of yeah, them right there was of one of them uh, around british mp voting and then there was another one uh, what was it again? Um, was this kind of uh, lobbying? In, oh, the in lobbying the in the US today, yeah. in the US, yeah, US lobbying data. I mean, both of them are super impactful, right, to, yeah. to, to influence politics, really. Isn't yeah, it? and also to, to show what is actually being, do, being done at, at the moment, I think uh, we have a lot of this kind of discussions. I think it's pretty much all over the world that we have this kind of far, far to the right, uh, blaming a lot of uh, let's say sometimes immigrant and a lot of other people blaming them for the thing but as we know there is most likely not the case yeah? mm -hmm. so so we tend to have this very biased discussion towards different sides of the arena and not looking upon the visualization and seeing what's actually going on and i think this is uh, to have this there would be actually mandatory for every single country imagine where you can see like uh, this is the person this is how they voted and this is the bill they actually kind of forward and then also like a following up this is what actually happened with that and if that would be visible to it and kind of remove the friction in looking upon it because I mean the information is there as of now of course but for a normal uh, person it would be pretty much impossible to kind of see any patterns or follow up anything and well you need to spend a lot of time so I think just creating that uh, would be just an amazing uh, so Swedish government if you hear this Call me up and let's put it together. No, but and yeah. as a citizen of Sweden, I, I, I would love this. I mean, this I mean, there's different. so many examples of that, right? I mean, we we obviously had the Panama Papers a couple of years ago, but I have this uh, this uh, this uh, friend of mine in Belgium that uh, basically created a website called Open the Box that brings together you know corporate data, you know co corporate uh, information of you know who who's which in which company shareholders of those companies and then and this is unbelievable you know uh, political mandates you know Ooh. which which politicians hold mandates in which companies in which organizations that are that this is the type of stuff that the government has been trying to do for decades yeah. and that a guy in a shed in in Belgium yeah. is is able to do in like 3 weeks on his holiday right it's yeah. a, it's it's crazy powerful how open data and obviously the right tooling around open data is 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 making these things just so much more transparent and and ho hopefully also kind of responsibilizing citizens right i mean yeah. if, if if we have the data then we can do something about it 
uh, if we don't have the data, then we then we then we're just going to sit on our couches, right? And uh, we're not going to we're not going to do anything. So really interesting um, articles there. And maybe you know, let's talk about another one, which um, you know, there was a beautiful um, uh, presentation. I think it was at the Nodes uh, online conference that we hosted a few weeks ago by Alicia Alicia Frame uh, on you know the intersection of graphs and uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. There's some really really interesting insights there. Uh, what's your perspective on that? You know, how do you see that uh, evolving? And what I see is like. Uh, this is one of the big paradigms. Uh, I think we are again, as as at least I always do. I in in the first year I say, oh holy crap, this will change everything, and then in a year, a year goes quickly, uh, nothing really happens. But in ten years' time, it's going to rewrite history as we know it. So I see this uh, this kind of idea and how it actually adds context, uh, because pretty much all of the AI stuff is now coming from tabular structures, right, or built on the foundation of those. And they're good for certain things, but uh, again, a graph is good for other things. So I think uh, it actually reminded me of one of my favorite stories. I'm going to do a derailing here and, and share right. it with yeah, you. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember, I think it was back uh, 2011, and uh, we can post this uh, in the comments down below. Um, there was this kind of thing that uh, the scientific community tried to solve, like uh, uncovering uh, like the cure for HIV. So they have a problem with uh, protein foldings. Uh, so they have been trying to solve this for roughly 10 years. They, I think they solved like 35% the scientific community working on this. And we know that they have pretty much unlimited budget in this, right? Mm -hmm. They had time, 10 years is an awful lot of time. But then they kind of did that and it's a long story. But basically what they did, they, they created an online game, which is called Fold It, uh, Google it if you haven't. Uh, and then they let people online basically play a game of protein folding and in 10 days I think they sold 35% or 85% of this and no over way. the weekend they sold 100% so in 14 days they sold something that the scientific community couldn't have done so for me this is a story about this kind of deep knowledge but then added a new perspective and every time I look on transformation this is what I look for like do I have the deep knowledge in this case we have the the, the usual stuff that we usually do, right? And then we add a new perspective to it. And that new perspective is going to create and double the value of that deep knowledge. And if we have a system that can handle it, it can be a process of an organization or, in this case, uh, a graph and a machine learning. Machine learning, yeah, exactly. Um, so for me, this is kind of, I can just see how this can literally blow uh, the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, yeah, Fantastic. so super excited about that. It's a, it's a really cool uh, use case. We've also you know been able to 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 really move quickly in that space thanks to the NeoVJ Labs. We've got the Algo library now. We've got the Neuler uh, yeah. prototyping tool in the NeoVJ desktop. It's actually becoming really accessible. You know, even like a like a. a, a walkabout uh, salesman like myself uh, can, can play around with it yeah. and, uh, and, and actually do some interesting things. Talk about um, that one maybe as a last topic, um, you know, something that's actually quite, quite salesy in a sense that um, I've seen it come up in a number of uh, commercial projects for Neo4j um, and you know, some of our most amazing use cases are actually related to it. It's the, the chatbot architecture, yeah. right? Uh, Max, Max DeMarzi was building a, a, a chatbot in Neo4j, wrote it, wrote it up in a bunch of articles. Um, 
I think it's just an amazing use case because it's basically, it's so easy to calculate the value for it, right? Right now people are, you know, calling up the call center, uh, everyone needs to, you know, and get into the call center queue, you're the next in line, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you get bad service, right? That's basically how it works. And, and these chat chatbots, you know, eBay is using it, but we've got a bunch of you know, like insurance companies using it. They're actually um, providing tremendous value on, on, uh, on, on uh, based on graphs. What do you think about that? No, I think that there's obviously this kind of uh, money value as a, as a company. You can save a lot of things, but if you double click on this, and I have this kind of, you know what happens when you double click on something, it unfolds, right? Yeah. So, so I, I usually use that a lot in my actually normal work. I double click on people, sentences <laughs> and stuff, right? So yeah. I think this chatbot thing, uh, what I think stands out if you spend a little time researching this, I think it's the interesting part that we tend to actually be more open to chatbots than we are to a normal person. This will of course change over time, but this lets me into this other way of thinking because let's uh, you talked about eBay, right? So mm -hmm. let's think about eBay. So if I go to eBay, I have already an eBay behavior. Course, but if yeah. I go to an eBay chatbot, I will most likely not have a behavior for it because it's a new thing. So then I would default back to how it normally talks. And this allows, I think, for bands also to understand like how, how are we perceived so coming from almost like this kind of brand and strategy perspective, because if we can understand how words create sentences, right, since they are mapped in notes over time, uh, then we can start to understand also how to talk to customers in the way they actually would like to be talked to, not in the way that we designed it five years ago, because I think this is also this kind of the consumer web's kind of big paradigm. I mean, let's, let's do Snapchat as an example. I think that's a great one. Like every single one over the age of 12 complained about it. Mm. I can't get it. No, the reason you can't get it is because you have like a history of left aligned web menu in your backpack, right? So kind of exploring the new possibilities is sometimes also limiting in your kind of mindset. So I think this is a, one of this double click. It looks like a very simple thing, but the insights that you can draw from this based on the conversations that you also have, analyzing those, I think uh, this is a very untapped potential from a whole other part of uh, the organization, actually, to be honest. To me, it, it's just a win-win-win. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally, it's literally like you know, the, the 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 consumer of the chat wins because you know they don't have to queue up in the morning uh, uh, or or you know uh, hold the line uh, in in the call center queue, right? And yeah. they get quicker service. They can get it whenever they want. They can probably get it faster. Yeah. You know, the, the the provider wins because it's actually very cost-effective, right? And uh, you know, there's really, there's only, you know, it's, I don't see a, a reason why people wouldn't be jumping all over this. The technology is getting there. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's uh, it's really something that we should be uh, exploring a lot more into. And you know, we've seen a bunch of really great cases there. Yeah. No, I just thinking of it also like because sometimes we actually want to talk to a person, but most. Likely in the most cases we don't. We just want to have our problem solved. Problem so solved, exactly. Yeah. The the less friction of solving the actual problem, which will then create more time for the customer service agents to actually talk to the people that needs that conversation, right? So it's a win-win, uh, or as you said, a win-win-win-win uh, in most cases. So I think, yeah, if you haven't tried this out, go check out uh, Max Post. Yeah, yeah, really just cool. set it up. I, I sent it over actually to a client the other week. It was like. Stefan, can we build a chatbot with Neo4j? 
Yeah, by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, by tomorrow. Yeah, here's a post. And then I send it. It's like, and actually it was like, this is so easy now. I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, and I think this is uh, also cool. kind of cool. All right. That was a, a great first uh, pilot, I would yeah, say. Yeah, this our, went quick. This went quick, didn't it? Yeah, and I hope it went quick for our listeners as well. Obviously, like as usual, we'll uh, get a transcription up on the, on the website and the links to the uh, This Week in the OPJ um, uh, newsletter. And then uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this uh, on a monthly basis going forward. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, Stefan. Yeah, super fun. Okay, thank you. Thank you later. Bye-bye.